2: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 46th episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast.
1: You're so much better at that than I am. (laughs) You should always start every episode. You're just so much better
2: at it. So this is Jill, and I'm obviously here with Adam.
1: Hello, everyone.
2: Uh, So tell us about today's episode, Adam.
1: Today's episode is an interview I did as a part of our ongoing series with our local library, Cuyahoga County Public Library. I did an interview with author Lisa Fenn. Um, If that name doesn't sound familiar, I think her story might for a lot of people. She did a ESPN kind of documentary a long time ago about two, actually, Cleveland high school students at the time. One of them's name is D'Artagnan Crockett, and the other one's name is Leroy Sutton. uh, They were two wrestlers in high school, and they were really close friends uh, in the inner city of Cleveland, but the thing that set them apart is Leroy, when he was really young, Got in an accident where he literally had his legs had to be amputated because Mm -hmm. he got like literally hit by a train. And D'Artagnan is legally blind. So if you remember seeing on ESPN at all or a story about one high school wrestler kind of carrying the other around to classes and how they're helping each other out, um, this is the two of them. And so she tells the story, and I'm not going to get into the whole thing in our intro, but she basically tells the story about how they did an initial story about them on ESPN. And then she kind of went along with her business because she was a producer. Mm -hmm. She tried not to get involved in the stories and she felt bad for them. She didn't know what was next in their lives, but uh, they did a follow-up story and people donated lots of money and they were able to go to college and their story is amazing. Um, So when I got to the library, I had a bunch of questions prepared for Lisa. Right. Uh, and as Lisa comes in, she's actually wheeling Leroy in his wheelchair. He was going to be a part of the author event that they were doing. It's amazing. I, it was so cool. I wasn't aware of that. <laughs> so the the questions I asked are a little bit different than what we, we right. normally asked. Sure. I, I was just like, he looked at me. He's like, do you want me to be in the interview? And I wasn't going to say no. Um, this is kind of a once in a lifetime yeah, opportunity. For sure. uh, the cool thing about both of them is I kept kind of gushing before and after i recorded about how wonderful their story was and how inspirational they are and they both just kind of laughed and they looked at me They're like we're normal people Mm -hmm. and i was like i know you're i totally understand that and i can't imagine all the people that come up to them and say your story is an inspiration but it's funny they literally just like we just want to be normal human beings and like i understand (laughs) that but also your story is truly unbelievable right um, they were as amazing as i would expect them to be um Lisa, it's it's really funny having the back and forth because Lisa will tell this unbelievable emotional response to one of the questions I ask, and then Leroy will joke around and <laughs> and make it and make you laugh, and um, it was so cool. Uh, their story, the book is called Carry On, uh, and it's been optioned for movie rights. Awesome. So if you're not familiar with the story, people are calling it kind of like the next Blind Side. Okay. Um, so. If you're not familiar with the story, first off, read the book. Well, first off, listen to this podcast. Then go read the book. <laughs> then go read the book because um, it's amazing. Uh, if you look up Lisa Fenn, ESPN, all their produce the stuff that they okay like you'll see the documentaries and things like that. But seriously a once-in-a-lifetime experience good get to meet these people. So
2: awesome. Well, I lo- good. I love our jobs. Yeah, right? I yeah. know. Um,
1: <laughs> if people want to get a hold of us, how can they do that?
2: They can find us on Facebook and Twitter and email us directly at feedback at overdrive.com. Those mm-hmm. are the best
1: places to get a hold of us. Those are the best places. Uh, and also, if you're looking for any of the books that we recommend, um, there weren't any book recommendations on this episode, but... Uh, As you may be aware, every other episode we do is a book recommendation one. You can go to Overdrive.com and click the Explore button. We have all of the books that we recommend there. Uh, And there's also our Pinterest page where we have all the books ever. I just want to give you a shout out. You did an episode recently where it's all nonfiction. Yeah. And I'm not normally a nonfiction writer <laughs> or reader. So I was, as I was tracking all of the books that you guys are talking about, I was like, and I'm going to read this one, and I'm going to read this one. So um, if you haven't listened to the nonfiction one because maybe you don't think it's going to interest you, yeah. super cool. You guys talk about all the um, books that would be like a good introductory to nonfiction and just really, really interesting. Yeah. So. Anyway, that was just me giving you some love because you're sitting across from me. I (laughs) appreciate that. Anything else you think people should know or anything you want to share, anything? I don't think so. I think we're good. Okay, cool. Well, I really hope you guys enjoy this interview with Lisa Fenn and Leroy Sutton. They are amazing human beings, even though they just want to be considered normal people, which I totally understand, (laughs) but um, they're truly special people. So I hope they enjoy it. Sounds good. All right. Well, enjoy this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Mm -hmm. Hi, well, this is Adam from Team Overdrive, and today I'm joined by Lisa Fent, a three-time winner of the Edward R. Murrow Award and a six-time Emmy Award-winning feature producer with ESPN for 13 years. Her work has been featured on Good Morning America and World News Tonight, in addition to ESPN as well. She recently had a book published called *Carry On* about a story that I'm about to have her tell just a little bit, uh, a little bit to you about. And I'm also joined by Leroy Sutton, one of the people who is a big part of that story. So first off, thank you both for joining us today. I can't tell you how much of an honor it is for me to get a chance to speak with you both. It's
0: our
2: pleasure. Thanks thank for having
1: you. us. Thank you for having us. All right, so Lisa, as I said, it's, it's an honor to chat with both of you. Would you mind maybe summarizing, if you can, uh, the background to carry on? Um, I don't want to even try to give an introduction to this story, so I'm just going to turn the floor over to you guys if you wouldn't mind.
2: our best. (laughs) I was working as a feature producer at ESPN in 2009. My specialty was sort of stories of people overcoming obstacles and achieving remarkable things with sports as a backdrop. And it was in that year that my attention was drawn to a photograph of two high school wrestlers from Cleveland, Ohio, Leroy Sutton and D'Artagnan Crockett. Leroy uh, endured a horrific train accident when he was 11 years old. He lost both of his legs. D'Artagnan was born legally blind. He has difficulty discerning the facial features of someone just a few feet away from him. And Leroy and D'Artagnan were high school seniors. They were wrestlers and they were were very close friends. Mm -hmm. That friendship began growing because D'Artagnan would carry Leroy to and from their team buses and around their wrestling competitions and up and down the bleachers when things were chaotic at their meets and the two of them grew quite close they also had difficult home lives Um, Leroy's moved very frequently Um, his mother was not equipped to sort of handle the care he needed after his accident Mm -hmm. D'Artagnan's mother passed away when he was a child and his father battled addiction issues he was transient when I met him um, with no permanent place to call home, mm-hmm. and so they, in addition to their disabilities, their um, poverty was, and the, their circumstances were almost equally disabling. But what really struck me was how they sort of combated those circumstances with this extraordinary friendship, and with with the laughter that they shared, and with just the brightness in their eyes that they. Were boys who very clearly had goals and dreams and aspirations, and um, they were doing everything in their power to um, to just make it through each day mm-hmm. together. So I embarked on to do a story on their friendship and on them as wrestlers, and I did that for ESPN. And much to my great delight, um, many viewers came forward offering money and opportunities to lift them out of poverty and together we sort of embarked on that journey to to try to piece together the futures that they wanted and we sort of thought uh, we we faced many daunting obstacles along the way that we we all came to understand um, the effects that living in chronic poverty has upon one's coping mechanisms, upon the life skills that they carry out with them, upon the education that they receive, and we we found that we had more to overcome than we anticipated, Mm -hmm. and we faced a lot of circumstances that are detailed in the book that could have easily caused us to give up or Mm -hmm. driven us apart, but instead, as the title says, we carried on, Mm -hmm. and we persevered, and we learned a lot about the power of committed love. And committed support of one another to to reach a, an individual's full potential.
1: And and Leroy, there's there's something in, in one of the several pieces that ESPN has done on you guys that towards the end of it, I think it was you talking about D'Artagnan, and you're obviously both very close. And watching it, I'm very close with with my brother. And you said, you know, we're we're brothers, we're a family, and it, it your bond. Looks exactly like I would describe my bond with, you know, my my paternal brother. And did that kind of form quickly, or did it take a little bit of time? Was it sort of when you first started wrestling? I'm just curious how that friendship began. Um,
0: it kind of just—I met him one year. A friend uh, introduced us at lunch, and kind of just introduced us for that time Uh and i didn't see him for the rest of that year because that was our junior year uh then when senior year happened um i went out for the wrestling team and that's when everything started to you know our lives started to more collide um you know we hang out after school most of the time and uh when we go into practice, it was just, it was usually me and him wrestling against each <laughs> other. So, uh, people don't know that, they don't realize that wrestling is more of a, a get inside your your opponent's mind mm-hmm. type of thing. Uh, so, with me wrestling D'Artagnan all the time and him wrestling me, we kind of understood each other mm-hmm. more as time went on and then for someone to like put you on their back and carry you you know that's <laughs> that's um and intimate in its own way like yeah. that that pulls a bond closer you have to trust that person not to drop you mm-hmm. uh <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's, that's a
0: really good point It's that's, that's very true so um
1: and so i Something that I am just so blown away by, Lisa, for you, you've interviewed people from every walk of life, from the most famous athletes in the world to people who, until you create a story about them, no one has ever heard of. Um, What was it about Leroy and D'Artagnan that maybe made them so special in your mind or set them apart from all these other stories that you've been able to tell?
2: Well, you know, I, I think that so many of the athletes that I cover are special. I wouldn't, I don't necessarily rank them in their order of, sure. <laughs> of specialness. I think I, had, I was really struck by, by the level of need in their lives, although they didn't recognize it as that mm-hmm. because it was just normal to them. But yeah. for me, coming from a middle-class, stable home, um, I was it really opened my eyes to the challenges that people in generational poverty face. And so I was really struck by their resilience in the face of those circumstances and also how they didn't sort of carry, um, uh, they didn't have a chip on their shoulder about them. They didn't have a sense of entitlement. They were extremely humble, extremely friendly. There was a tenderness between them and the way that they treated other people in the school that, um, you know... The expression, their expression of compassion toward one another, the the whole carrying, it was it was something that you don't expect to find in sort of urban teen culture. Mm-hmm. So it really stood out to me as remarkable.
1: And you were just to you know, where your whole story started with this horrible accident, and like seeing the different features about you, and even just meeting you and talking with you just for a few minutes, here, like you have this like easygoing, like light about you that. I meet people who come from the best situations and don't have that. What do you think it is either about your personality or what was it after your accident that kind of kept you going and and kept this amazing outlook on life that you seem to have?
0: Um, It's mainly like, I'm still alive. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I got a lot more living to do. So, uh, And on top of that, the jokes and everything if you can't laugh at yourself you can't laugh at anybody else mm-hmm. so you know i make jokes with D'Artagnan about him being blind and <laughs> he makes jokes about my legs and you know it's it's a back and forth thing between us uh but it, it's the main outlook is just i'm i'm still here mm-hmm. and i still have a lot to say a lot to do
1: mm-hmm. Okay, so I just, and Lisa, if you don't mind me asking, what's the process for a story like this to come about when you are producing something like this? I guess, how do you, you said you came across a a picture of them, but when you're producing a story, how does that process work?
2: Well, in a normal feature story that I would shoot for television, say I'm doing a story that's anywhere from three to ten minutes Mm -hmm. long, um, we would... It would probably be about three to five shoot days, I would say. Mm-hmm. You would have a day where you would interview your subject and the supporting characters in the story, and then you would have days where you would um, shoot what we call B-roll with them. So if it's a, say it's an athlete who's a runner, well, you would you know shoot various runs in different locations. You would interview their coaches or their teammates um, and any other shoot any other sort of events that are going on in their life, or their day-to-day routines, whatever it is that supports the narrative. But that process usually takes about three to five days. And then an edit, a writing edit process might take uh, anywhere from one to three weeks, depending on how complicated it is. So this story was certainly unique in that I shot for the better part of five months. Mm-hmm. I wasn't shooting every day, um, but I was on the ground here, probably about two, two-ish weeks out of every month, mm-hmm. um, in part because there, was, there wasn't there was really anyone to coordinate through. Like, normally when I'm shooting stories with minors, I'm organizing everything through their parents, but in this case, they didn't have parents who were involved in their lives. Mm-hmm. So, it, and their phones weren't always working, and the school didn't always have the right schedule for their, their practices and their meets, and so... I really needed to be on the ground quite a lot just to get it figured out myself, um, and that led to us spending more time together than I would normally spend with a feature subject, which was a good thing.
1: Yeah. All right, Leo, I have to know, and you can be honest because it was—you were—you and I are about the same age, so you were in high school while this was all happening when Lisa kind of first came into your life and you knew that she was going to be kind of around all the time, what was that like? What was that like initial thought of like a oh, complete stranger who was going to be asking me questions all the time?
0: Um, when it comes down to when she first showed up, that was more of a defense mechanism. I didn't actually know it was happening at the time. Sure. Uh, but we later figured out there were a lot of media that jumped in and out of my life. Mm-hmm. So it kind of felt like they were uh, turkey people. So he'd show up, you know, Thanksgiving, here's your turkey, (laughs) and then boom, they're gone. Yeah. You know? Uh, So that's what I originally thought. He got
2: a lot of coverage after his accident Mm -hmm. from media people. And I think as a child, that wasn't really explained to him that these were not long term relationships or that his picture and his recovery and his. His limbs were gonna be put all over the newspaper. Mm -hmm. And as a child, that's a difficult thing to process. So I'll let you finish, but there's certainly a knee jerk reaction. (laughs) Let you finish in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) There's certainly a knee jerk reaction to not talk to me. Yeah. Go ahead.
0: And then, you know, after I let her in that that first little bit, um, that's when I started to pay more attention to she interacted with other people and D'Artagnan and you know then it was like alright I'll trust you a little bit more and I'll uh, I push the envelope mm-hmm. I
1: guess <laughs> was was D'Artagnan kind of the same way? Was he a little bit? Garn- no, not
0: at all. <laughs> nope, he sang like a canary. As soon as she asked him the first question, <laughs> oh, that's amazing.
2: D'Artagnan's more of an extrovert, and it was also his first experience with the media, so mm-hmm. he was pretty eager to to have a so little attention. Yeah, and
0: Whenever whenever he's asked that question, he's go. ESPN, come to film me. (laughs) Give me a little (laughs) spotlight. Oh, that's amazing.
1: Um, So
0: at what point,
1: Lisa, for you, did this story become more than a story that you wanted to share with the world, something that you thought you kind of wanted to step in from being a producer of a story to being something more to Leroy and D'Artagnan?
2: Well, I think from early on, just... uh, assessing sort of the need in their life and knowing that the dreams that they had, but also I knew that they had no viable pathway to get there. Mm-hmm. They didn't really know that, but I could see um, that at that time college was not a reality and even working was in question. Um, and so I definitely had a pull to want to sort of solve these problems. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to do it but certainly every time I left our shoots in my head was, I wish I could just put them in the car and take them home Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, and make it all better. And so on my mind when their feature aired, I was really hoping that just one viewer would would see this and have the means and the resources to help them Mm -hmm. sort of financially. Um, And that was a very small prayer because hundreds of people came forth and were moved to, to compassion and so that was great and we, I harnessed all those resources and I really thought that I would just sort of send them off to college and wave proudly from afar as mm. they rode off into their new lives as I often say
1: um, <laughs> Leroy's shaking his head now
2: <laughs> but none of us really understood that that was not something that they were prepared for yeah. academically they weren't prepared for it, life skills they weren't prepared for it And so, yes, we sent them off, but it wasn't the end because there were so many obstacles that we still had to overcome and so many deficient life skills that we had to to navigate together. And so the process of becoming more involved in each other's lives was a gradual one as the needs grew bigger. um, And we kind of realized like we're in this for the long haul, but there wasn't really anywhere else I wanted to.
1: And this is touched on a little bit, Leroy, in the, the ESPN feature, but maybe for our listeners who aren't, aren't familiar with your the story, can you maybe take us through just like what was going through your mind when Lisa started giving, giving you guys these phone calls and these messages saying like there's people that want to help, you know, send you to college and, and kind of give you, you know, that next level of education that you didn't think was possible. Like I said, they touched on it a little bit, but just what was going through your mind when that happened?
0: um there was disbelief it's like all right that's that's cool yeah <laughs> it's nice to hear but thanks uh and then after a while it was like oh, this is becoming real yeah. <laughs> it's got real real quick and you know just she helped me fill out my my forms for going to college and uh between her and our uh student counselor uh they helped me figure out uh uh, FAFSA and you know everything like that because mm-hmm. I didn't know how to fill all that stuff out. <laughs> I don't, honestly, That's you're not alone in that. I don't think anyone
1: <laughs> go, going to
0: college initially knows how to
1: fill all that <laughs> stuff out, so you're not alone on that.
0: Yeah. So, you know, at first it was uh, I don't know, and then after a while it started to become more and more. Um, our coach Justin Hans flew to Arizona with me to check out the school and um, and it just started to become more of a reality mm-hmm. and still to this day it seems like a dream so
1: yeah so something that i really hits me about the story of i grew up in cleveland as well i'm a i'm and you know a native and the thing that i really love about this is not only are you bringing to light these two amazing human beings but you know people lately thankfully cleveland has been getting a lot of positive attention. People have been writing articles about the cities on the rise and it's back. And you see lots of articles about many cities like that. But these stories that, that you've created, I think they're so important because they shine a light a light on the fact that every city, no matter how big or small, they have people who are amazing human beings that maybe just need a little bit of help. Um, is that something that you were thinking of when, when you were doing this story? Is You could change you know, not just two lives, but, you know, more than just two lives. I mean, you've clearly touched untold amount of people with this story.
2: Yeah, it was definitely one of our motivating factors for writing this book. Um, Obviously, it took a lot of courage for Leroy and D'Artagnan to put their personal stories and the traumas of their past out there for the world to see. And a lot of
0: it I didn't know until she was writing (laughs) it. Yeah. yeah.
2: (laughs) And uh, it it was a challenge for me just even learning how to put a book together. But it was certainly one of our, our guiding motivations was that a lot of people ask us, you know, how can I do something similar mm-hmm. or how can I help? Or, or students will ask us, where can I find someone to, to guide me like this? And so we just hope that this is one tool that will show people the commitment necessary, the love necessary, mm-hmm. and the, that it's not so hard to sort of cross those perceived barriers of race and socioeconomics and age to forge relationships with people who are different from you
1: on a lighter note i have to know so i i know tom rinaldi was a big part of this piece and i just imagined him does he just like walk around when he's not recording trying to make people cry with the things he says yes i feel like every single time like i was joking with some of the people at the library before you guys got here Every time I watch a piece that he's a part of, especially your guys, my wife will come downstairs, and I'll be watching TV, and I'll be, like, wiping my eyes, and (laughs) she's just, like, Tom Rinaldi type of a story. So I just imagine, like, when the cameras aren't even rolling, is he, like, trying to get emotional stuff out of you at
0: all times? It's every time he talks to me. Every (laughs) single time, it's just, like, he could say hi, and it just start bawling. (laughs) He has one of those
1: voices. I just imagine him going, like, around the the ESPN ESPN campuses. Just... Being like, I have a story for you. You're not going to believe it. And you're like, where is the box of tissues? I need a moment. I just, I'm always I, curious.
2: One of his his most uh, admirable qualities is his earnestness. Mm-hmm. And so the voice that you hear and sort of the the emotion behind it is how he lives his life. Mm-hmm. So he's definitely not performing. Yeah, um, He's not walking around making people cry. But he does <laughs> walk around making everyone he meets feel very special.
1: Mm-hmm. And then this is just kind of one more thought from, from both you guys. We've only been chatting for about 20 minutes. So we can't possibly touch on everything there is in the story. But when people go and they buy and they borrow, carry on, what do you hope they take away from the story? And this can come from both of you guys or whoever feels comfortable answering it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's a book that appeals to just... A wide variety of readers because there's so many different themes okay. woven throughout it. Um, it's for people who are up against long odds mm-hmm. and it's for people who want to become agents of change. It's for people mm-hmm. who are mothers, who are mentors, and those looking for just a good underdog sports story.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It's all it's all in there and so, right.
0: okay. a here in the okay.
2: So it's for people who are interested in all of those things, including poverty and education and disability, and it's not a treatise on any of those issues, but those themes are sort of delicately woven into this narrative of of great love.
1: Leroy, is there anything you want to share just about your story, maybe anything you hope people take away
0: from it? Um... I don't know. She just summed it up pretty well. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, her job. She wrote the book, so I think that's okay. Right,
1: well, one last note regarding the book I, and and the whole story. I, USA Today and Sports Illustrated called it you know, the best story ESPN has ever aired. And honestly, I've been on this earth thirty years. So I completely agree. It's amazing. You're both incredibly inspiring people. As as D'Artagnan, who's not joining us today, is not here, but
0: doesn't mean he's any less part of the story Uh, he's training so hard right now yeah i think that's
1: totally a fair reason to be here (laughs) but sincerely thank you both for taking some time to chat with us we couldn't be more grateful thank you my pleasure thank you
2: readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from overdrive.com and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace